IP friends, welcome to episode 101. Super excited, I'm starting another hundred. I mean, trying to get to 200 right now, so this is one out of 200. But yeah, my name remains Rita Arunichinda, and I am the podcast host for IP series with Rita. So, if this is your first time listening to me, about everything intellectual property please turn on your notification button subscribe on any of the platforms you're currently listening to me chat about intellectual property and for my returning listeners thank you so much for sticking with me for the last three years on the 18th may there was three years and we are gunning for our first five years so i'm hoping by the first five years i have like 500 episodes i'm hoping That'll be my own record I need to break, but yeah, let's get into our conversation for today. So our next guest is a superstar that transitioned from being an actor into becoming a lawyer. And when I reached out to him on Twitter, he was gracious enough to say yes. We had a bit of um, not totally when we initially fixed an appointment, but um, he was kind enough again to reschedule. And you know, this is the final recording that we ended up doing. And trust me, guys, if you are a screenwriter or you work in the film industry, you're actually going to um, appreciate um, Larry's expertise. Though he's based in the US, but for those in Africa or from anywhere you're listening to us today, you can always find tune it into how it ap- applies to your jurisdiction. So let's welcome Larry. Welcome, Larry. Okay. okay then, so, um, welcome, ha- um, Larry. It's a pleasure having you here. Um, so glad to be here. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Rita. Thank you. So um, let's 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 get to meet you, Larry. Who is Larry? Where are you based? And what do you do? Okay, well, uh, my name is Larry Zerner. I'm an entertainment attorney. I've been an uh, entertainment attorney now uh, for 32 years. Uh, I've been on my own for 23 years. Uh, I started out as an actor uh, back in college. Um, so I have that business. I'm, I'm, people, some people know me. I, I, was, I was in this movie, Friday the 13th, Part 3, uh, which is a... Oh, my God. Have you seen that movie, Rita? Really? Have you seen it? <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. So, uh, uh, yeah, I was. Uh, you can Google me, and you can see me. And uh, I was, I, I was the guy who gave Jason his hockey mask in that movie, and uh, and then uh, you know that peak peak acting, and then decided to well, Hollywood decided I should do something else uh, to make <laughs> money. So uh, I've been a lawyer, and now I use my talents uh to um you know to protect the rights of people in the industry writers directors producers actors and that's how i spend my day and that's what i enjoy doing wow it's it's a pleasure to meet you larry i I might have to go watch i might have to go watch the movie again just to get a clearer picture of what you look like while you were younger (laughs) okay uh, (laughs) exactly the same (laughs) Are you sure? <laughs> it's only been 41 years. So, okay. <laughs> so I reached out to you because I saw you were, you know, really into the creative 
writing, you know, just advancing the creative space and also in light of the recent WGA writers. First, what do creatives need to know when it comes to intellectual property? What do we really need to know? Well, yeah, I, I mean, from a U.S. perspective, uh, you, you know, your intellectual property is, is the fact that you you own the stuff you create, uh, the stuff you write. Um, if you I mean, mostly we're talking about stuff you write, but uh, if you perform uh, a monologue you're in theory and film it or you film a movie on your own, uh, you own that. Um under U.S. law, the, the copyright ex copyright exists at the moment of creation as long as it's put down in a tangible form. So it's recorded, it's videotaped, it's on a piece of paper, it's on a computer screen. As long as there's something that someone can go, there it is. You, there's copyright uh, that exists under, but under uh, U.S. law, it's important to register the work uh, with the copyright office for a, a few reasons. One is to show that you own it, right? It's proof of the, of the prior creation if someone says you stole it. And also in, in, in U.S., in the U.S., you must have a copyright registration before if you're going to file a lawsuit. And unlike unlike other countries, which have the loser pays attorney's fees rule, the U.S. does not automatically have that rule. And so that rule only applies in a, in a U.S. copyright case if you filed for copyright before the infringement happens. So if sometimes I know there are a lot of listeners who are outside of the United States, but if you're submitting in the United States and you're worried that someone might steal it um, in the United States, uh, actually you don't have to have a registration in the United States under the, the various uh, treaties we have with other countries. It's not required. But in order to get the attorney's fees, you do need to have the uh, registration prior to the infringement. So if you're outside this country, but you're submitting in this country and and you're trying to get a U.S. movie made, I would definitely tell you to register with the Copyright Office. It's uh, You can go online. It's copyright.gov and you can fill out the form. It's not a hard form to fill out. Uh, you know, name, your name, name of the script. When did you write it? It's uh, uploaded. It's not nothing that you don't need a lawyer to, 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 to prepare the document. And I actually have a YouTube video you can look at where I walk you through it. I just, I do one and you can, you can follow along and you, it'll take you 10 minutes and then you'll be done. It's uh, pretty easy. Interesting. I, I would say for us here in Nigeria, um, subject to our new copyright act 2022, which was recently signed by our outgoing president, um, the law now provides that the copyright commission should um, retain copies of your copyright. So they have to first of all have a register of copyright, and then you as the creative need to now do a registration um, with the commission. But it's interesting to, you know, learn how copyright operates within the United States. So my next question would be, having worked um, in the film industry, what are the rights that copyright um, has when it comes to, um, you know, creating intangible assets and also assets in the film industry? Well, when... When they've created it, they own all the rights. We we talk about copyright as a as a as a pie, you know, and the, that you you start owning all the rights. You have the right to 
turn that script into a movie, to turn that script into a book, to adapt it into a Broadway musical. You can do whatever you want with it, or you can sell out off those pieces of the script uh, to other people. And um, that's what you're, that's what you're doing. You're trying to maximize the amount of money you could get from selling off the pieces of your copyright pie. Um, now, usually when you make a deal for a movie, the buyer, the studio or the producer will say, I want all of the, I want the whole pie. And um, you may have to push back on some of that because they're not necessarily going to use all those pieces of the pie. Uh, here, the, the, like in the U.S., if you're a Writers Guild member, you automatically get to keep the right to, for example, make a Broadway musical out of your script. That's not something that they can buy from you. Um, it's it's when they buy the movie rights. But uh, but so you can push back and go, no, no, I'm making a book about this. I'm making a uh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to. So, you know, it's hard when you don't have a union, your first script to to you know, have the temerity to go, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to say no. Uh, the other thing is you need to be really careful is the, the right to make sequels because that agreement will definitely say we can make sequels and you got to make sure that it says, well, if you make sequels, you're going to pay me for those sequels as well because you don't want to have a situation where you wrote one movie and then, uh, you know, there are, five or 10 sequels made and you get no more money. That's not fair. And that, and that's something that you can push back on and say, well, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want money. If you make a sequel and under the, if you're WJ member in, in the United States, you usually will get at least half of the fee if they make a sequel, even if you didn't write it. Interesting. So, um, what then can a creative look out for in a contract? I mean, focusing our conversations to scriptwriters now, because you made mention of um, you know the rights that can be monetized at um, where someone can make an offer to buy in all of those rights. So, what are those things they need to look out for? Should they um, want to go ahead to? Um, sell off all of the rights that they have. Yeah, moral rights not something we have in the U.S. because we don't have any morals. But uh, 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 but um, well, listen. If you're selling a script and it's there's some real money coming in, uh, you really should hire a lawyer or somebody to help you with that. It, there's there's a little too much to deal with in the podcast. There are books out there on dealing with this. Uh, I've written articles on it. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the one thing is, you know, the price, obviously the price, uh, how much they're going to pay you for this script. And what you want to be clear is th th that if they say, well, this is going to be a low budget movie. Um, so we can only pay you, you know, this amount of money. So, it's, oh, we're going to make the movie at a million dollars. So we'll pay you 25,000, which is two and a half percent of the budget, right? You know, I mean, that happens and you go, okay. I mean, uh, but if the budget goes up, my fee goes up. Because uh, producers, first of all, will lie to you about what the budget is, or you never know when 
oh, look, Keanu Reeves wants to be in the, this movie or Scarlett Johansson wants to be in this movie. Uh, and then the budget went up to $10 million. Well, now they got a lot more money to pay you and your your fee should go up. So the the first thing you want to do is make sure that there is a provision in that agreement that your your the fee is tied to the budget um, and and it will go up as long as the um, as the budget goes up and they will show you the budget. Uh, so that's uh, that's that's key. If the this again more under U.S. law, if there um, is uh, uh, if you've already written, if it's a spec script, so the script is already done and someone's just buying it. You should not have. You should not see the words "work for hire." You'll, that, that's a U.S. term where, under "work for hire," the the purchaser, the studio, will then own own the copyright outline. I mean, they 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 will be considered the author of the work on a work for hire. And in now we have this provision in, under U.S. law that says that after 35 years, you can you can cancel the 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 transfer and get the rights back. And that's become uh, very popular. Now that's something that, that started in the U S in the 78 law. So it didn't really come into effect until 35 years after that. So the 2013, it didn't, and then now we're seeing, you're seeing a lot of these sequels uh, or remakes of eighties movies because the authors, the screenwriters are taking, are getting back those rights to those movies and are able to make new deals to to re uh, uh, you know to, to to start again and 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 that's why you know so that's that's a boon you know I know it's a long time but you know if you write something when you're 30 or you know and then okay I'm 65 and now I can start again and get a bunch more money that's always good so but that doesn't apply if it was a work for hire under U.S. law so you don't want that language in there if it was not a work for hire now if you were hired and they said okay we're going to pay you. X amount to write this script from the beginning, then it's a different story. But if you wrote a spec script, you have the power. And don't let them say, you know, like they're going to put, you know, a movie costs millions of dollars to make at minimum. I mean, I mean, pretty, you know, a, a movie that's going to be in the theaters. Uh, you know, they have the money to pay you. They they don't want to pay you, but they have the money to pay you. And if you hold firm, not not crazy amounts, but usually you should be looking at between two to three percent of the budget as a as a writing fee and and they you should not get pushback if you are uh, if that's all you're asking for uh you should be able to get that interesting so would that also apply when you're dealing with treatments or well the treatment is well that's where where you're being paid because if if you come in and all you have a tr is a treatment and you still got to write a script that and they're paying you to write the script, then that will be they will consider that to be work for hire. Because uh, so the question is, when you're when you're being paid, are you being paid for something that's already completed and they're, you're just handing them the script or are they paying you to do the work? In which case, then they have more power because they can hire another act. They can hire any, you know someone else to do the writing when you have a script that's already done. They can't hire someone else. You, it's yours. You've you've made it, and they can't they can't use it without first you signing off on it. Usually, in the, but sometimes when you're if someone's coming to you and says, "I want here's an idea," I, I you just have an idea. You know, it's a, a dog that's on the Titanic, 
whatever, uh, you go, okay, I, someone has, uh, all right, I want to, let me see the treatment. And then, you know, we'll, and then we'll see if you, then if I like the treatment, I'll do the script, you know, more in step payments. And that's usually more just a, this is the fee and this is what you're going to get. A um, couple of weeks ago, I think it's about three weeks now, I would say, um, there was this very viral post about WGA writers going on strike. What, what, I know it applies to the U.S. only, but what? Yeah, well, the, the writers are on strike uh, the, the, in here in Hollywood. Uh, uh, so a lot of shows are shut down. That mostly, I, I don't speak for the Writers Guild, but I have clients who are certainly members of the Writers Guild. Um, you know, besides the typical, you know, how much money we should get, they, they negotiate every three years. So it partly is like what what should our new fee be? But the big issues with the Writers Guild uh, are a couple of these things. One of the things is called the writer's room, whereas before, you know, in the old days, uh, you're not that old, but, you know, you know, in the old days, the, the shows used to be on, in, in American shows, you know, you'd have 22 episodes, 26 episodes. Yeah. So you'd have a group of writers who were hired, you know, and it would take them, you know, nine months to write that amount of episodes. And so they'd have a job and that would, and then they get paid when the show aired and they get paid when it reran and, and they could make a good living. Uh, now in the streaming era, shows are not 22 episodes. They're 10 episodes or eight episodes. Well, but you know, you can't, yeah, well, you can't, you can't live on that. You know, it's much harder. Uh, and then there's not, a network that is running them again. They're just on streaming forever, right? They're just on HBO uh, or Showtime or one of those or Netflix and they just stream. There's no, so there's no, 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 no residuals. And the residuals is what brings the, uh, keeps the writers going during the lean times. And there's always lean times for these writers. Um, so one of the things they're trying to do is make sure that they get a certain amount of weeks in a writer's room, and that that's a big issue. The other issue right now is the AI issue, which is that they don't want the studios to be using AI to write their scripts uh, because they know that they will, that that's going to really cut into them, their ability to make a living. The studios will think nothing of asking the AI computer to come up with story ideas and then you hand those to a writer and, um, and sure. so instead of hiring, uh, you know, 10 writers for 22 weeks, now you're hiring five writers for 10 weeks and, you know, the, it's going to kill the, it's going to kill the writers. So, um, that's, those are the, those are the biggest issues right now in the, in the writers, uh, uh, strike. Okay. Then, so how do they actually end um royalties from the scripts um how do they get um added on to the film credits when the movie gets how, wait, how did the the screenwriting credits get determined is that what you're asking yeah so royalties well, first and then well okay well movies don't have royalties they have residuals which is a little different okay so uh because songs have royalties, but residuals is a, is a right now, this is for actors and writers and directors there. Whenever there is a sale 
not not from the initial box office of the movie, but the movie is then sold to Netflix or sold to you know sold foreign to foreign television. Two uh, percent, roughly two percent of of the fee is goes to the writers. Roughly two percent goes to the directors, and roughly two percent is split among the actors in that in that film. And those are the residuals. Um, and that's also a problem because we don't now. Every studio has their own streaming network, so they don't go out to the market and sell it. They just put it on their own streaming network. Paramount has their own streaming network, Paramount Plus, uh, uh, and and the others have their own as well. And, and Universal has uh, uh, Peacock, uh, so that makes it uh, there's a lot less money in residuals. There is when we say you know, sometimes movies get get writers can get a piece of the profits. You know, very few movies are actually in profit. But in theory, there are movies where you can get, you know, a percentage of whatever the profit is. But that's different. Residuals, you get whether or not the movie's in profit. If there was a sale, um, the 2% goes, is paid, uh, whether even if the movie is still in the red. And was the other, the other question was credits? Yeah, film credit. How do you uh, well, this, again, this is own, so if you if you're in the Writers Guild, there's a way to deal with it. If you're not in the Writers Guild, you there is no way real really to do it except to say in your contract, I get a credit. I, you have, you've contractually agreed to give me a credit, and that's that's the way it is. The Writers Guild has a self uh, where the 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 writers agree people who are in the writer's guild agree to act as sort of arbitrators. And if there is a dispute uh, over who wrote a script, then they will send the various versions of the script to basically volunteers at the writer's guild who will act as arbitrators. They will read the scripts and they will make a determination as to who should get credit, whether it's a single credit, a shared credit. Sometimes someone gets a story credit. Another person gets the, the, screenplay credit and that does matter in terms of who's whether you're getting you don't get the credit you don't get the royalties a lot uh you don't get the residuals and a lot of times even in your contract it it requires that if that you get the credit in order to get the back-end profit participation if you've been rewritten enough that you don't get that uh, credit then you don't get the back end either so it, it can it can be uh, a lot of money at stake I mean, it's a, it's a lot to take in right now, but how, what, what, what would you say is like the best mode to engage a screen, um, screenwriter and what intellectual property rights actually? Wait, what was the first part again? Best mode of engaging a screenwriter. And the, the, when you say best mode of engaging, you mean how to hire a screenwriter for your film if you're a producer? Yeah. So, yeah. So would you go through the WGA or would you get a freelancer? Well, it's a, well, certain, first it depends on your budget. Um, obviously the, the WGA writers are going to be okay. more expensive and you're going to deal with the, the, they're going to be minimum wage that the guild sets and you have to pay 
pensions and, and health care. So there's more money, but those are the better writers for the most part. So um, if you want to engage a, a writer and, you you know, either, you know, you maybe you, you go, well, I'm writing a horror movie and, oh, I like that horror movie. Maybe, let's see if that writer, I can hire him and you can send a proposal. I mean, writers love getting hired. So it's, it's not that hard. If you have if you have the money, you can get you can hire anybody. Uh, pretty much to write your film. Um, if if you don't, uh, and you're making a low budget movie, I, you know then and you, you know you you can go on. There are certainly sites for producers to re read various um, uh, you know samples of writing and and find a writer they like. It's. I've never had that issue because usually the the writer on the on the the producer is if they're if they're in if they're in making a picture with money they sort of know what writers they want and if they uh, and if they're low budget they're sort of just buy they'd rather buy the script than hire a writer but usually you know if you're a producer then you get to know writers and find out you know who's who's good in your genre and you know see what they've done and hopefully that works out. Okay. Then. So what, what IP rights would you say? Exist well, I mean, industry? I mean, mostly the right, the copyright exists, you know, to the script and to the film. Uh, there, uh, otherwise, I mean, we, there's also trademark rights that exist for, for titles of films. You can't uh, people uh, you can you, you can trademark a title if it's more than one movie. So there's got to be a series of movies for there to for there to get a trademark. But, uh, you know, whether that's uh, Star Wars or Harry Potter, that's you, you can get a You know, that's a trademark um, or Friday the 13th. That's a trademark as well uh, for uh, the for the, the name to protect the name. I, I would tell sometimes people call me and they've written a spec script and they want to, you know, register to the trademark of the film. And I, I go, that's just a waste of, of money to, to try and protect it before the film is even, you know, bought and in the theater and you see how it is. Um, mostly when you, if you're not the one putting out the film, you don't even know that that title will remain because um, titles change all the time. And if you're in the, uh, the MPA, the Motion Picture Association of producers, those producers, they have their own title registry. It's separate from trade, the U.S. trademark, uh, where people can can register names and protect them, and and then no one else can use that title. Which is it's, so it's not under trademark law at all. It's just a self-regulating uh, um, way among the producers to protect titles and and and. And, and yeah, it's, it's good. Although, and then sometimes people will bargain over titles. Someone has a title that, that once, you know, universal has a title that Paramount wants and Paramount will say, well, I'll trade you that title. If you give me this title, that, that happens all the time. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Interesting. So we recently had, had a case this year in Nigeria where um, an actress who had starred in one in the movies in the in the early nineties 
went, went ahead to trademark the title of the movie, mm-hmm. which now has a reboot that was released last month in Nigeria. So she sued the producers and um, the film sponsors for trademark infringement because she started a trademark application. Well, I think two weeks ago, um, her application was yeah. thrown out for being um, in bad faith. So I kind of understand when you talk about, um, you know, the motion pictures having a register. I think that will also guide against um, trademark trolls who want to take advantage of, um, say, the popularity of the movie, or maybe you just want to spite a producer just because you never got the part. Right. In, in order to, to get a trademark in the United States, it's not just filing the form. You actually have to show the trademark office that you're using the trademark, that you have a product, you have a movie out two movies out this actress did not have any movies out she was just in the movies so they weren't her so under u.s law that would also they would throw that out as fraudulent yeah same result fantastic so my next question which you alluded to a bit was the ai part what is the a the impact of AI in the film industry going forward. Because I, I saw a couple of clips on LinkedIn where people were creating films using AI um, tools. And I'm like, okay, I think this is this is going way above everyone's head now. Where is creativity? Where are you actually um, infringing or not? What are your thoughts? On- yeah, I mean, you know, I feel like we're just at the... At- such the beginning sort of like when the internet came out and you know who could imagine where we are you know now it's it's i think the same with ai we're just looking at the possibilities of you know that you can tell you know an ai i want to see uh you know a john wick style action movie with uh ai created keanu reeves using a, a created you know his his image and his voice and and go and it you know we're not there yet but that is obviously the dream of uh of a lot of producers that it's going to become a lot easier to do that or that or people can do it themselves right if you go well i don't need to go to a movie theater i can just tell my computer to show me and uh, make me a uh you know but uh it's 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 not um uh, you know, it's not Keanu Reeves. Instead, it's uh, uh, who would be, you know, it's Julia Roberts or or it's Denzel Washington or, who you know, it's whoever you want in this movie. And you can just replace actors uh, willy nilly. You can just say, you know, I want this actor in this movie. I mean, that's something I've heard. It's like, oh, we can redo Star Wars and we can make, you know, your, you know, your, you and your, uh, you know, your, your partner are, you know, uh, Han Solo and uh, Princess Leia, and it'll just put there. That's what it'll look like. I mean, that's certainly something it's not, you know, not today, but 10 years from now, it's certainly something that, that I think will be possible. I mean, it's, so we're just so at the beginning of what it is right now, there's a dispute over the way the AI is created is that the, the companies, they just slurp up everything, right? They slurp up books and movies and photographs and songs, and they use that all to train the, the AI. And the, the question is, is that copyright infringement? Do the, does the original authors uh, or, and creators have any right, any way to stop that? 
Um, and that's an issue I think that's going to be litigated for a while. I think I certainly see a lot of chatter among artists who have a specific style and then the AI can really create, recreate that style, uh, you know, and, and can create works of art that you can use, you know, create me something in the style of Picasso or Rembrandt, but, you know, or, you know, or Dali and, you can just do it and it'll, it'll do it. And you're, you know, that's, that's what people will buy. They won't, they won't, they won't, there won't be any real art created by humans. Cause you can just say, I want, this is what I want. You know, you can just tell it what you want. Uh, you know, I think the, the great things about humans is that we figure out things they don't even know they want, right. That, that, that's, that's the magic. You, it's not about giving people what they want. It's about giving them something and they go, I didn't know I wanted that, but man, that was great. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do agree with you, um, you know, in terms of what you said to Papa. I would, I would say for me, everyone should just explore all of this with open mind and maybe just engage the regulators so we have like an acceptable uh, law at the end of the day. But then, uh, what would you consider international best practice for writers <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not sure what, you know, because I'm so U.S. based and, and the film industry is here. So it's so, you know, you, you know, it's like you got to do it, you know, for it's like, yeah, you got to do what we do here because this is where, where, it, where it is. I mean, I, I say that knowing that there is a there is a, a, a tremendous African uh, movie industry and, uh, and, and, and Indian movie industry and Asian movie industry. Uh, yeah. so, you know, get a good lawyer. That's my, that's my international best practice. <laughs> that, that works everywhere. <laughs> You're playing it safe right now, Larry. You're really playing it safe. <laughs> I guess, I guess I'll stick with that. Get a lawyer so you just, you know, get it right. But then. Um, would you say there's like a, a restriction of creative expression when it comes to sensitive intellectual property in form of folklore, for instance, the Cleopatra and Netflix issue currently going on? We also had a bit of that in Nigeria this year. Um, there's a movie currently on fine video called Gangs of Lagos. So the Ayo Mafia was portrayed in a setting like that. Um, Yorubas and Lagos did not agree. So, what are your views uh, when it comes to creative expression? Um, well, you know, folklore has been used as the basis for movies from you know the beginning of time. I mean, D Disney cartoons are all based on fairy tales, which is folklore. Uh, right, Sleeping Beauty and Cinderella and 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 all of those uh, stories are folklore. Um, the uh you know uh, west side i mean is shakespeare folklore now uh west side story is romeo and juliet uh there 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 is a a or we re redoing you know the iliad or the odyssey or the, the you know the greek myths um it's it's you know the the i think you know john Camp campbell would say that you know everything is there's no new stories we, they, they, we've been telling the same stories since the Greeks started theater. Um, so it's very hard to go. I own this. I, this is, 
this is what it is. I mean, I, I, I know that when people do make a, a direct um, something that is, you know, uh, from a certain culture that there should be, you know, the certain sensitivities. If you're doing Mulan, uh, Moana as for Disney examples, you know, the, if you, if you don't do that right, you will, you will pay the price. It's not a legal issue. It's more, uh, the, the mob will come for you if you, if you start just willy nilly taking, um, other people's stuff. Uh, I don't think there should be, but I don't think anyone can go, especially for the, when we say folklore, which is, you know, hundreds of years old, anyone can claim, uh, any ownership of it. Uh, who owns it? There's no one. I mean, if to say that we, this, totally, I, I, agree. Who, I have, because no one who has the power to stop it. No one owns it. It's, it's, it's owned by everyone. Um, but, uh, you know, this was, you know, there's always been this, it's, it's really more in music, right? Where, uh, especially when white artists are taking, um, uh, you know, uh, black, black artists music and, and you get that a lot. I remember, you, but maybe too young, but when Paul Simon did the Graceland album and went to South Africa during the uh, apartheid area era and uh, and got a lot of crap for it, but you know, but he said I I paid these people, these were all black musicians and I brought them and I made them famous and they made you know made them a huge amount of money and brought them to America. It's a it's a it's a tougher question. Are you are you because are you exploiting them or are you helping them? Interesting. And just to, just an aside, I just want to let you know that I, I love horror movies. So just, you know, when you were talking about the same thing, I was like, yes, yes. You know, the whole story just revolves around one particular location and nobody wanting to go further away from that. But uh, final thoughts. Um, okay. Copyright, um, creatives, um, scriptwriters, the film industry, what are your final thoughts and how can we reach you? I mean, I'm not in the U.S., but then, thanks to the internet, I had to, I got access to you. Well, yeah, I think sometimes you. people get intimidated and scared about <laughs> copyright <laughs> infringement or rights. And when they're writing a script, they're like, can I do that? Can I not do that? And and I always tell people, you got it. Just write, write it. I can, we write the thing you want to see, right? Don't be intimidated. Don't be scared about this stuff. Write it. If and then if you're worried, talk to a lawyer like me or you, and, and we'll tell you where you can draw the line and, and we can make it work. It doesn't mean you have to change the whole script. You just may have to make a few adjustments in order to get it done. But don't be afraid to tell the story you want to tell. And that's the only way, that's the way you break through is by telling the story that you want to tell and not being um, worrying about, oh, someone's going to steal from me. Oh, this has a, a quote from another movie or a line from another movie. Just we'll deal with that. That's you're just writing a script right now. That's what you got to do. You know, let the lawyers do what they do and, and we can tell you where you can where the line is. But first, go over the line. We'll bring you back. <laughs> and uh, if you want to find me, uh, you know, I'm uh, uh, I'm Zerner Law, Z-E-R-N-E-R -E uh, on Twitter. I'm ZernerLaw.com on the Internet if you want to uh, contact me. And uh, I'm, I'm so happy that I got to talk to you. It was a pleasure.
I'm very happy I got to talk to you as well, Larry. And also, is that oh no? Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> because I, I, like I said, I'm a, I'm a okay. fan of horror movie, but I have my limits. So, but it's good to actually speak to you. And thank you so much for you know giving. Yeah, me this connection is much better. It works much better. So, <laughs> thank you. And so we've come to the end of 101 of IP Series Birida. And thank you once again, Larry. I mean, I had a great time and I learned a lot. I hope my listeners, I hope my IP friends, yes, both new and old, uh, will find this particular episode really interesting. But if you haven't listened to the last 100 episodes, Edjo, Biko, Zambwe, Adebegona, Mekona, help me. Eh? okay but yeah thank you thank you guys for listening and don't forget to turn on your notifications so you don't miss out on any other episode going forward and have a great day guys bye